So last week, we started this series, Better Together. And in part one, we began to unpack the truth that we are designed for relationships, that we are designed for community. Now understand, this is not just a mere suggestion, but it is a divine mandate. It is a blueprint for our lives that is both biblically and scientifically supported. If you're not sure what I mean by scientifically, go back and listen to last week's message and hear how science is supporting what the Bible tells us about community. That there are health and mental health benefits to being in community. We spoke about how we are not good alone, underscoring the essential nature of relationships in our lives. And we saw that Jesus, who is our perfect example, lived a life deeply entrenched in community. He modeled for us the importance of having people to do life with, a community that transcends the divisions of this world, such as politics, race, economic status, you name it. He did not allow that to be a barrier in his relationships. So we have been called to stand together as the body of Christ, united by our shared faith. And this unity is a testament to the world of the transformative power of the gospel. Because when we are united like this, when we have this kind of unity, living in this community that God wants us to live in, where we don't look at race and economic status and whatever your situation is, we love each other to the world that is abnormal. That's not how they do things. And so they see, hang on, something is different with this, this group over here. They have a love for each other that does not make sense. What do they have that I don't have? And so we allow that to speak to the world. See, in community, we realize that we are not good alone and that we truly are better together. So this morning, we're gonna go deeper into this and see why community, specifically godly community, is so important. In part two, we're talking about struggling together. Now, this may sound strange for me to tell you, struggle together. I'm not telling you to take your friends and go look for struggle. Because let's be honest, there's enough struggle in this life, right? We don't need to look for struggle. Struggle comes looking for us. Even if you don't want it, it's there. So things are going to happen in our lives, trouble is going to come, and then that is where we have to make a choice. If we're either going to face those struggles alone, or we're gonna face them with someone at our side. Because when we struggle together, and I want you to hear this, when we struggle together, we come out better on the other side. Together, we help and support one another. And we saw elements of this in last week's message. So I want to remind us of what it says in Ecclesiastes, chapter four, verse nine to 12. Two are better than one. Say that with me, two are better than one. There's already your proof to not be alone. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord cannot be quickly broken." It's interesting to me that it says, woe to him who is alone when he falls. It's never a good thing when the Bible says, woe to you who, dot, dot, dot. 
Wherever it says woe to, pay attention that you do not fall into the category of what it is mentioning. Woe to him who is alone when he falls. It is not good to be alone, not just in our day-to-day life, but also in the struggles of life. Because if we are alone and we fall and we're struggling, we don't have anyone to help us up. And then we feel sorry for ourselves. But there's something comforting about having someone in your corner when you're struggling, even if all they're doing is sitting in silence with you. Their company offers a sense of comfort and support. There is also something encouraging when you have people who are willing to stand by you through your struggle, fighting alongside you, fighting for you. Not just fighting at your side, fighting for you. There is a sense of security in knowing that if I fall, I have people around me who will either catch me just before I hit the ground, or when I do fall and hit the ground, they're gonna pick me up, gonna help dust me off, help treat any scrapes and bruises, and help me move forward. Two is better than one. Community is better than isolation. Community is better than isolation. Now this week I, I, I saw something that kind of portrayed this so nicely, and it's going to be a very random example, but I think it's one you may not forget. I was watching an ant carry, or str- trying to carry, trying to drag along something that was easily 10 times its size. And it's busy dragging this thing, and it's struggling, you can see, like it's, it's quite heavy, so it's moving slowly. And it had some other ant friends walking around it. And so while this ant was struggling to drag this thing along, the other ants started to grab a hold on the other sides. And they started to come together. Interestingly, though, on the other side of the room, there was another ant doing the same thing, carrying a a thing of the same size. But it had found itself in an area where there weren't any other ants. So it's busy dragging this thing alone, struggling, 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 all by himself. I look over again at the other ant whose friends had kind of come together and they had surrounded this object and they were moving together, moving it with ease. They had not taken away the load, the heaviness, but together they made it lighter. What I also found interesting is that all these ants had surrounded this object and none of them were pulling and tugging in different directions, standing still, but instead they all were moving together in the same direction. Why? Because all of them were going to the same place. Now, every time you see an ant, as much as they are pests, I think you'll be reminded of this. And although they are pests, we can look at ants and learn something. And that's not just me saying it. The Bible says, look at the ant, learn from it. Proverbs 6.6. But as I was watching this, I just couldn't help but think these ants are in fact better together. They help each other get to where they are going. It's a good illustration of struggling together because the ant 
that is struggling alone is all by itself, I think eventually it gave up. It let go and moved on. But the one that had its friends join in took it to where it needed to go. They each grabbed onto a different side and pulled and pushed together. And like I said, they didn't get rid of the struggle, but they made it easier. And the verse that comes to mind whenever I think about this, not just about the ants, but the concept in general, about being there for one another in our struggles, is Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, which says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. That's what those ants were doing. They saw their friend with a heavy burden, and they came alongside, and they bore the burden with him. Bear one another's burdens. What does this mean, though? What does it mean to bear a burden? Well, to bear means to carry the weight of, to support. So to bear one another's burdens means to come alongside the one who is struggling and help them carry the weight of their burden, to support them, to hold them up. It doesn't mean that I come alongside you and I make your burden mine. Be very careful. We're not making the burden our own, taking it from them, making it our burden but I am coming alongside you and I am helping you lift the weight, sharing the load, helping you with this burden and hopefully making it a little lighter and a little bit easier for you. Bear one another's burdens. What burdens are we supposed to bear? Well, what burdens do you have? So there's no limit to what burdens we will bear. What do our brothers, our sisters, the people around us, what, what's burdening them? That is what we have to bear. That is what we will recognize in the lives of others, whatever situation that they are struggling with. See, when we are in community, we, we start to get to know each other, right? The more time we spend together, the more time we start talking and hanging out and getting to know one another, there's a relationship that forms, which then I can I can kind of pick up when something is off. If I've spent enough time with you and we have a relationship, I will notice something's weighing on you today. And so when we are in community, we are then able to recognize when someone needs assistance and we can go up to them and say, listen, is everything okay? Do you need something? How can I help you? But we don't always know what's going on in each other's lives because some of us are very good at hiding what's going on. Put on a smiling face on a Sunday morning, life is good, I'm full of joy, amen. Go home, the mask comes off, and I'm actually carrying a lot of burdens. So we don't really know what's going on in each other's lives unless we are honest and vulnerable with one another. So we need to talk about our burdens, we need to ask for help as well. So if you have a burden that you are struggling to carry on your own, something that is truly weighing on your heart, Ask your community to come alongside you and help you bear that burden. Now, something we also need to realize is that our burdens do not only refer to our personal struggles. That's an easy way for us to think of burdens, right? I have this financial struggle, this relational struggle. I have this habit or addiction. It's, it's personal struggles. That's easy to understand. But... Our burdens can also be character flaws or moral issues. 
And we don't like to talk about those. But here's what I mean by that. Sometimes in community, we are going to have to lovingly, and I emphasize lovingly because that's the only way we should be doing it, we are going to have to lovingly hold one another accountable. We don't like that because that means you're pointing something out in my life that I have to change. You're calling out something in my life that's not aligned with God's word and it's uncomfortable. But that's part of bearing each other's burdens. It means we sometimes have to reflect on behavior or choices that are unwise, that are unaligned with God's word. And then we don't just point it out. It's very easy for us to point out and say, hey, you're doing that thing. But we don't just point it out, we then help each other through it. So listen, I, it looks like you're struggling with this. This is not okay, this is not in line with God's word. How can we change this? How can we help you through this moral issue? Struggling together is being a support, holding each other up and working through each other's areas of weakness. In fact, this verse in Galatians, when we put it into its context, we see that it is essentially telling us that we are to help each other stay the path. If we read verse two, along with verse one, it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The new translation version says, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. See, bearing burdens, it's not just the day-to-day struggles. Bearing burdens is helping carry and not just helping them carry the burden, but sometimes removing the thing that is hindering and being a stumbling block in their life. So the burdens that we bear is any weight that has a personal or a spiritual significance. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So when we bear each other's burdens, we are fulfilling the law of Christ. What law is that? Can be summed up in one word, love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love others. When we bear one another's burdens, we are showing love and being loving. And in doing so, we are fulfilling one of the greatest commandments. So it's not just a good idea to bear one another's burdens. We are fulfilling Christ's call to love. Amen? Now that's all good and well to hear, to nod our heads and say, yes, that sounds good. But how do we live this out practically? How do we actually do this? Well, there's a few things we can do. First of all, be attentive. See, it's very easy to live a life with blinders on. I'm just focusing on where I have to go, what I have to do, and forget everything and everyone around me. I'm going to live with my blinders on. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We need to be attentive. So take the blinders off. Don't just be so consumed with your own life, with your own situation, with work, with your burdens. But look up from time to time and be attentive to the people around you, to the situations around you. Be attentive because when we are attentive, the Holy Spirit can help us recognize a burden in someone else's life. 
Amen? When we are attentive, we're paying attention to what's happening with the people in our community. When we are attentive, we will recognize opportunities in which we can help carry a burden. Another thing we can do, and this is one that a lot of us struggle with, is listen. Listen. Listen to hear. Don't listen to answer. When someone has the courage to be vulnerable about a struggle that they are facing, don't be quick to give your opinion or be quick to somehow turn that conversation to be about you. You know what I'm talking about. We've either all done it or been a part of a situation where we've seen that happen. Somebody is sharing something that is weighing on their heart, something they're struggling with, and suddenly the, someone who's listening says, oh yeah, yeah, that happened to me too, and, and goes on, and it just becomes all about them. And the person who was maybe trying to ask for help gets shut down and just stops talking because, okay, you don't wanna hear me. So listen, be attentive and listen. Listen and hear what that person is saying. And sometimes when we are truly listening, even if the person doesn't come out and say that they're struggling with something, you may be able to pick up reading between the lines of what they are saying and pick up that something might be off, that there might be some sort of struggle, that then because you were paying attention, because you were listening, you can then ask a question which leads the conversation to them becoming vulnerable with you. And then you are able to offer support. Another way we can live this out is to connect. We need to be real and understand that not every burden we can help carry. Whether it's because we are not in a position to help or we are not equipped to help. But here's the thing, we all know somebody so if someone comes to me with an issue and they're struggling or I see they have some sort of burden that I am not equipped to handle, that it is beyond my scope of help, I can connect them with someone who can help them. And in doing so, I am helping bear that burden because I'm saying, okay, I see the struggle you're having. This person here can help you. Let's go. And then that person can help them through their struggle. So you might not have been super active, but you were instrumental in getting that person help. So we are attentive, we listen, we connect, and then we have to be available. And this one can be challenging because it requires us to make time to be there for others. Some situations, some burdens that people are carrying can be resolved in a short period of time. Others, it takes a longer journey which means we have to be available to walk the road. If we are offering to carry their burden, to be with them, to walk alongside them, it means I am agreeing to make myself available to walk this path with you. I am choosing to be there for you, even if it's not always convenient for me. And that's something we struggle with. I'll be there for you if it fits into my schedule. I'll be there for you if it... It's convenient for me. But when we are truly carrying one another's burdens, when we are truly there for one another, when we are truly living in community, we will make the sacrifice 
you really need to talk right now? Okay, I'll cancel this, these other plans I have this evening and let's go, let's, let's talk. We will make the sacrifice to be there for one another. And the truth is, all these things that I've mentioned, they all require some sort of sacrifice from us. It's part of our struggle too. Struggling together is not just me carrying your weight with you. It's sometimes also the struggle of me putting myself aside, putting my own comforts aside to be there for you, to make that sacrifice, to support you, to encourage you, to help you, to bear your burden. But when we do this, when we help our friend, our brother, our sister through their struggle, we then see the value of struggling together. We see how that burden was made a little bit lighter and we'll see that we could not have done it alone. And the truth is that scripture is filled with examples of people who struggled together, who bore each other's burdens. We just have to open up the word and see it. See it in action. See the examples. Stories of of godly community being there for one another. It shows us the necessity of that in our lives. If we are going to face the challenges that come our way and not be completely taken down by them, then we need one another. We need community. We need to have people walking with us and doing life with us. And so I want to briefly look at some examples of different ways that we can struggle together. Examples from the word where we saw it in action, where we can use it as fuel for us to go out and live this in our community, in our friendship circles with our brothers and our sisters in church community. And I'm going to start by looking at the paralytic and his four friends. We read the story in Mark chapter 2, I'm going to read verses two to five. Now, this is when Jesus was in a house and and people had gathered to come and hear him preach. They filled the place. So it starts in verse two saying, immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. So picture a house that is so filled with people, so full that the doorways are crammed with people. People are probably queuing outside, standing by the windows, trying to hear it's full. And Jesus was preaching the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him, they left their friend on the ground and walked away. Is that what they did? No. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. And so when they had broken through, some translations say when they had dug through, this is an image of effort, of struggle. When they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Their faith, the faith of these four friends caught Jesus' attention. And because of it, not only were the sins of the paralytic forgiven, but he was also healed. As you read the rest of the verses, you see that the the religious people, the scribes that were around him, when they heard Jesus say, your sins are forgiven, they started questioning among themselves, who does this man think he is that he can forgive sins? And Jesus could sense in his spirit that that's what they were debating about. And so he questions them. 
He says, why are you discussing this? What is easier, for me to say your sins are forgiven or to tell this man to get up off his mat, pick it up and walk out? To prove to you that I am who I say I am? To prove to you that I can forgive sins? Jesus then turns to the paralytic and says, get up, take your bed and walk. And what happened? He got up, picked up his bed and walked out. If that paralytic's friends had not made the effort to struggle together, to pick up his bed, to take him to the house where Jesus was, to then problem solved and made a way to get him to Jesus, he would not have had his sins forgiven, nor would he have been healed. See, these four friends, they knew the struggle of their paralytic friend. He couldn't walk. He couldn't get himself to Jesus, at least not on his own. So they could have decided, you know what, my friend, you're a bit of a burden. You're just an inconvenience. We're not going to be around you anymore. But instead, they chose to get involved in his struggle, to carry him and take him to Jesus. See, not only did they carry him around, Not only did they break through the roof and lower him down, but they did all of this to take him to the one who could help him. They could have carried their friend anywhere. They could have carried him anywhere, but they took him to Jesus. They saw their friend struggle. They didn't leave him alone. They came around him, they helped him. So when we struggle together, we can pick up and carry one another. We can recognize the struggle in each other's lives and choose to work through it together. And I want us to take hold of that that truth that the friends didn't just carry their friend and help him and get him forgiven and healed, but they took him to Jesus. Like I said, they could have carried him anywhere, but they were wise enough to take him to the right place, to the right person. Do you have friends like that? Where are your friends carrying you off to? Where are your friends carrying you to when you are in struggle? Where are your friends when you struggle? Do they walk away, leave you? let you deal with it on your own? Or do they come around you, pick up your mat and carry you, offer you support? Do they encourage you to get closer to Jesus? Maybe the bigger question is, are we that kind of friend? We want to have friends like this, but more than anything, are you that kind of friend? Now, the truth is we won't only need to be carried physically or emotionally, but there may be moments where in our lives we we feel spiritually paralyzed. You're so overwhelmed, so burdened. There's just so much going on that you don't feel like you have the spiritual strength to do anything and, and you feel spiritually paralyzed. And in those moments, we need others to come alongside us to pick up our mat and carry us to Jesus. So be sure that you are a friend 
who carries your friends to Jesus and that you have people around you that in your time of need, they carry you to him. Another example is Paul and Silas. Now, when Paul and Silas were attacked, beaten, and thrown into prison, it could have been very easy for Silas to turn to Paul and say, what have you gotten me into? I agree to come on this journey with you, to come and minister with you, and now look where you've got us. Don't talk to me. You sit in your corner of the cell, don't talk to me. If we get out of this mess, we're done. But here's what happened. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 to 26, at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Silas didn't hold a grudge. He didn't blame Paul for where they were for the mess that they were in. They stood together in good times and bad. They supported one another's missions. That's a big one. They supported one another's missions. And they were in the mess together. See, they were sitting in the struggle, offering support to one another. They were praying and worshiping together. Sometimes when you're in a struggle, the last thing you want to do is worship. You want to complain. You want to whine. But when you have the right people with you, say, listen, let's pray through this. Let's worship through this. We're trusting God. We might be in the mess. We've got chains on us. We're in prison. We're, we're sore. We're beaten up. We're in pain. But let's, let's worship God together. Let's pray. Encouraging each other and helping one another keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Whether you're on the mountaintop or in the prison, eyes on Jesus. And when you have the right people around you, they will help you to worship in the good times and the bad. They will stand by you in the mess and help you keep your eyes on Jesus. Another example is Moses, Aaron, and Hur. Exodus chapter 17, verse 10 to 13 says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. Now just everyone put your hands up. Okay? Hold them up. Everyone, hands up. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Okay. Keep it up as I read. So Joshua fought the Amalekites, and as Moses had ordered, the Moses, then Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses had his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side. One on one side, one on the other. And so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Whose arms are tired? Not yours. You're going to keep it up for the rest of the service. Great. Some of you are feeling a little bit tired, right? Now imagine. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Good. He got it. <laughs> a few minutes of doing this and your arms are going to start burning. You can bring them down. 
a few minutes and your arms are going to start getting tired, start burning. Now, when Moses had his hands up in the battle, his side was winning. And as soon as he brought his hands down, the other side, the enemy was winning. So I'm going to want to keep my hands up if it means that we're going to win. But this is going to hurt if I'm standing the entire day. can do a few minutes, maybe half an hour. But a whole day, you're not going to manage. So Aaron and her are like, Moses needs to keep his hands up if we're going to win. But Moses is getting tired. So they took a rock and they put it behind him and said, sit, Moses. There's no rule that he had to stand the whole time. So they say, sit. And they each stood next to him and held his hand up. That way, if Moses just let go, he wasn't putting in any strength, but his friends were holding his hands up. And because they helped him, Joshua and the Israelites overcame the Amalekite army. See, Aaron and Hur recognized Moses' fatigue. And they didn't just walk away. They came alongside him. They didn't leave his side. They didn't ignore his need. And I'm pretty sure it got boring just standing there holding his arms up. But they didn't walk away. They stayed with him until the very end. Probably only once that battle was won did they let go and the three of them came down from the mountain together. But they saw, they recognized, they helped and they stayed. Struggling together means being a support and source of strength in a time of weakness. I see you struggling, I'm going to come alongside you, I'm going to help you up. And the more of us that are there to do that, the easier it will be. Because if I am walking along some, alongside someone and offering help and I start to get tired, the next one can come in, take my place, and we can journey together, supporting one another, being there for one another, encouraging each other, bearing one another's burdens. Now, these are just a few examples of how godly community, and again, I say godly community because it's not just that we are in community together. We have to be very careful with who we are joining with. Because just as godly community can offer you help and support, the wrong kind of community can break down whatever you are trying to build. They will drag you down and take you to the wrong place, to the wrong people. So these are a few examples of how godly community can bear our burdens and help us through our struggles. In these examples, we see what it practically means to struggle together. And we see the difference that being in a community can make. These examples are encouraging to me. These examples make me want to live a life in community like that. I want to have people around me who will help me like that. I want to be a person who will help others like that. What about you? Eugene Peterson once said, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. You want to grow? To become who God has called you to be? You want to be encouraged to draw nearer to Jesus? 
then you need to embrace godly community, the right community. We need to allow ourselves to be vulnerable with one another, to receive help when it is needed, to receive support from each other. We need to start bearing each other's burdens, holding one another accountable in love, but hold each other accountable and stand by each other through the ups and downs of life. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. We need to forge relationships with each other which can stand the test of trials. A loving bond that holds us together and gives us the assurance that in times of adversity, we will not be alone. So often when people go through something suddenly, there's a scattering and they find themselves alone. But in God's family, it should not be that way. When someone is struggling, everyone should draw nearer and support and help one another, bearing each other's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. I want to close with this quote from Natalie Runyon. She says, I want friends who will lower me through a roof to my healing, who will worship my chains to the floor when I am in bondage. Friends who run to Jesus on my behalf who will call me out of an early grave. I want friends who will lower me through a roof to my healing, who will worship my chains to the floor when I am in bondage. Friends who will run to Jesus on my behalf and call me out of an early grave. I want to be surrounded by friends like this, to be in a community with people who will do this for me. What about you? You want this kind of community? But can I challenge you this morning to not only look for people like this, but to become someone like this? Let's become the friend who will lower someone through the roof to their healing. Let's become the friend that will worship the chains to the floor when our friend is in bondage. Let's become the friend that runs to Jesus on behalf of others. Don't just look for such friends. So don't just surround yourself with such friends, but become one too. When each of us take on the challenge and become this kind of person, then when the struggles come, we can be there for one another. We can struggle together. We can carry one another closer to Jesus, bearing one another's burdens and becoming a people who are better together. Amen? Amen. So if you're going to take that challenge to be that kind of friend, to bear one another's burdens, then as we close this morning, let's stand to our feet. And this is our declaration of, Lord, I want to be that person. I want to be that friend. I am agreeing to carry the burdens of my brothers and my sisters. I will be there to support. Because we truly are better together. So Father, we just want to thank you that we can be in community with one another, in godly community. I pray, Father, that you will stir in our hearts this morning this desire to be attentive, to listen, to pay attention to what's going on around us, to be available, to help bear one another's burdens. And that if we ourselves cannot help in a specific situation, 
to then connect each other with the help that is needed. I pray, Lord, that as we go out into this week, you will open up our eyes to see opportunities in which we can bear one another's burdens, where we can love each other by supporting one another. Whether it's a word of encouragement, whether it's offering to, to assist with something to make the burden lighter, whether it's just offering to sit with them in silence and just be a comforting presence. Whatever it is, Lord, help us to see those opportunities and take action to bear those burdens, to offer support, to make those struggles lighter. Father, I pray that we will not be friends who walk away when things are inconvenient, when things are difficult, but that we will stand with one another, fight alongside each other, and fight for each other. Give us the courage, Lord, to be vulnerable with one another so that we can develop these strong relationships in this community where we can get to know one another, where we can share what is going on in our lives, asking for help and offering support. Father, I pray that we will be a people who will bear one another's burdens and fulfill your law. So we just thank you, Lord, for this time in your presence, for this time in your word. And I pray, Father, that we won't just be hearers of this, but we will be doers as well. That when we walk out of the doors here this morning, Lord, we will go and act on what we have heard. We will allow your word to bring change in our lives. That we won't just say, yes, that sounded good, but we will actually take hold of it and apply it in our lives and become people who are sharing the load struggling together and becoming better together. So Father, I pray that your love and your protection will be upon us, that your blessings will be upon us, Lord, and that you will open our eyes to see opportunities to share your love with those around us this week. May you take us into this week and bless us in all we do, guiding us in all we do, protecting us everywhere we go, and that we can come back here next week as we wrap up the series. And as we come together to be one, may you encourage us, Lord, to share the love amongst us in community. We thank you, Lord, and we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Again, a good place to start in being better together in fostering community is being here for the church lunch next week. So if you haven't done so already, please go to the back and book. You won't want to miss this because there's no better place to foster community than around a table of good food. Amen? Amen. Have a blessed week. See you Sunday.